Good evening, everyone, and welcome to RNFM Radio. This is episode number 38, and we're so delighted to have you here with us on November 5th, 2012. We have a great nurse, a great nurse, a great nurse guest for you tonight, and we'll be speaking with her in just a few minutes. This is Keith Carlson from my home studio in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and my co-host and colleague and cohort, Kevin Ross. Can you say hello, Kevin? Well, of course I can say hello, Keith. I'm co-hosting a show, so I think I can do that just fine. Yay. Anyway, just a little smart aleck comment. Definitely without a doubt, everyone, this is the place where we'll be discussing the latest news, trends, and hot topics in the world of nursing and healthcare. And, you know, of course, we have some wonderful guests, uh, both past and present, and, of course, a lovely guest I think you're going to certainly connect with uh, this evening that uh, we will be announcing here very soon. So, of course, if you're listening to us on Blog Talk Radio, you're catching us on uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash RNFM radio. And if you're not listening to us live, then you can check us out archived, of course, as always, on iTunes. And if you go to your iTunes app and then go to podcasts and then search all one word RNFM radio. Of course, uh, Keith and I are on Twitter uh, this evening. We're always on Twitter at Nurse Keith and at Innovative Nurse and at RNFM Radio, which we share that responsibility. And, of course, you can catch us on TweetChat.com forward slash room forward slash RNFM Radio or just uh, uh, check us out on one of your aggregators like Hootsuite and you can do a hashtag or pound RNFM Radio. And that's where we will be uh, tweeting out uh, comments, and of course, you can tweet out comments and even ask questions on Twitter. Of course, we can't forget about our uh, friends over at ProMed Network, and you can find us at promednetwork.com forward slash RNFM Radio. Certainly check us out on the blog as well, rnfmradio.com. And if you are listening live and you're not shy and you want to call in, heck, even if you are shy, just call in. We'll take care of you. We're nice. Feel free to call <laughs> us at 347 347- Three zero eight eight zero six four. Thank you, Kevin. That's a mouthful. That's a lot of information. As you all know, if you've listened to the show before, there's a lot of ways to find us. We like to be present on Twitter, Facebook, on our blogs, and everywhere, basically. So you can find RNFM Radio in many places. And like I said, this is episode number 38. We now, at the moment, have 37 archived episodes for you to listen to with nurse specialists, authors, coaches, all sorts of people who you will find very um, wonderful information, fun interviews, and inspiration as well. So we encourage you to check out our archive shows. But let's go back to the live show, and we would like to introduce our guest for the evening, who we've been very excited about. Our guest this evening is Candy Treft, also known as the Gypsy Nurse, and she is located at thegypsynurse.com. And she is a travel nurse extraordinaire and travel nurse specialist. She's worked in healthcare for nearly 20 years. She worked up the ranks from a CNA to an LPN, and now she is a registered nurse. She's worked in multiple areas, including home health, long-term care, acute care, and in subacute hospitals. She's been working as a nurse since the year 2000. She discovered early on that she suffered from a condition known as hypertravelosis, and she has worked as a travel nurse since 2004, and we'll get to the symptoms and treatments for hypertravelosis during the course of the interview. 
While working and networking with many nurses throughout the United States, Candy discovered that there were many nurses that had an interest in travel nursing, and she's always made herself available to answer questions, and she's become basically an unofficial resource for many nurses who are interested in travel nursing or travel nurses who are already out on the road. She has a passion for traveling and a desire to share her love of travel and nursing with others, and that's exactly what she does. And this was her inspiration for working on and creating thegypsynurse.com. So, Candy Treft, welcome to RNFM Radio. Thank you. I'm happy to be here tonight. Oh, we're happy to have you here, too. So, we just gave a little bio about that you've been in in healthcare for 20 years and that you've been a nurse since the year 2000. So tell us about those early years of your clinical experience and then how the travel nursing came into your orbit during that time. Okay. Um, my early years in healthcare varied from working as a CNA, a medical office assistant, seemed like um, there was always something open in the medical field in some way, shape, or form. So that kind of seemed to be where I migrated to. Always had a desire to get out of town. When I was 17, I used to take quick little road trips with my roommate at the time. We'd leave town and head in the various directions, north, south, whichever hit our fancy that particular day, and run off for the weekend and get back in time to go to work on Mondays. Um, so I've always kind of had, you know, some hypertravelosis in my in my blood there, always wanting to get up and go and see new things. Mm. Okay. And did you, while you were working as a nurse, did you meet a travel nurse who told you about it? Did you just hear about it through the grapevine? What sparked your interest? Because you knew you liked to travel, but what made you decide, okay, I'm going to decide to do this and become a travel nurse? Okay. Um, originally, you know, I never really had heard about travel nursing. I, um, not through my pre-nursing years at all, had I ever even heard of anything called a travel nurse. I, um, when I was a brand new nurse, I started reading, you know, the nursing magazines and such. And in the back of the magazines, there's all of these ads that are you know, pushing travel nursing out there. And I would say that was my first exposure. Um, even when I worked in the hospitals, I didn't work with any other travel nurses. So I didn't have anyone, um, not a nursing instructor, not a coworker, no one really that, that I knew personally that had done that. So um, it's kind of unknown, uncharted territory in my eyes. Oh, okay. Well, right. You know, Candy. Um, speaking of, uh, you know, really what it what it kind of takes to, um, you know, be a nurse these days. We talk about the level, not only just the the formal education that we have to have, but but certainly the training that that we have to endure in in our clinical practice. I mean, what we go through, um, not only just in orientation, but just the additional training that occurs throughout our careers. And so, you know, often what I hear from, uh, you know, new nurses out there that are interested in travel nursing, what advice are you giving them in regards to the the type of experience, whether that be how many years they've been a nurse and what areas of uh, clinical expertise are you seeing the most success um, with with people sort of starting on that path of, of travel nursing? 
Um, well, for just generalities, um, you should always have at least two years of experience in whatever specialty you plan on working in as a travel nurse. Um, good, solid two years of experience before you ever even consider travel nursing. Um, so if you're perhaps a med surge nurse and looking to go into ICU travel nursing, you need, even if you've got 10 years of med surge, you need another two years, solid two years of any additional training for the specialty that you want to travel in. Um, they're not going to train you on the job as a travel nurse. You're going to be lucky if you get any orientation at all other than a brief, here's where the med room is and here's your passcode sort of thing. Um, you really are kind of thrown on the floor and expected to hit the ground running. So I, I really try and try and push to anyone that's interested in travel nursing that you really have to feel comfortable with your skills and where you're at. You have to know that you know that you know how to be a nurse, mm -hmm. whatever specialty you're hoping to work in. It's very unlike going into a new hospital. You go from one hospital full-time to another hospital full-time, they're generally going to give you a certain amount of orientation. Sure. Well, and even knowing where the med room is or the supplies are, um, I mean, that's a huge obstacle, trying to figure that piece out. Uh, it, it almost seems once you get comfortable in that you know, setting, then you're just sort of off to the next assignment. Yes, that's true. That's true. Yeah, about the time, that, and that's one of the things I think that I love the most about travel nursing is I, I completely can avoid that whole boredom, that complacency that comes with being, you know, knowing where you're at and where you're going in the job and, you know, the challenge is gone for me once I've been there for a while. So mm -hmm. I look forward I look forward to that that chaos, I guess, of going to a new a new facility and a new location. Right. Well, and one thing that I wanted to um, just because you talk about the boredom, have you uh, ever been asked to stay on a unit or in a facility uh, full time because absolutely. of your experience? Okay. Yes, absolutely. Um, that actually happens quite frequently. Um, you know, it, sometimes within the first month, the hospital staff is, oh, will you stay, will you stay, please stay. And then, you know, sometimes it's towards the end, but I've, I would say probably about 90% of my contracts I've been offered full-time positions. But wow. I really do love travel nursing. Mm -hmm. Travel nursing, if you look at it from that aspect, it would actually, you know, can be kind of a segue into a full-time position in a new location or a new area. I know there's a lot of nurses that I know personally that have segued into full-time positions in new parts of the country. I um, have a travel nurse friend that went to Alaska, to Anchorage, and she worked in Anchorage as a travel nurse for, I don't remember exactly, maybe six, eight months, something like that, and decided that she loved it there. And so her and her her husband decided to relocate there, and they're living happily in Alaska now. So, Wow. Well, that sounds sort of like a fun way, if you had the freedom to do so, to travel around the country, live in different areas for short periods of time, kind of check it out, see what it's like, and see how you feel living in different climates and 
geographic locations, and then you might actually find a place you love and decide to settle down. So I'm Absolutely. sure there are travel nurses who do that. And yeah. I have, uh, it's interesting, you know, you mentioned, you know, you need at least a couple years experience in a particular specialty, say if you're a NICU nurse or whatever, and you want to travel on that. Do any travel nurses have basic, let's say, med surge experience, and they just travel doing doing kind of run-of-the-mill med surge without a particular specialty? Absolutely. That's um, that's what I personally do. I'm a medical surgical nurse. I've worked in a variety of specialty med surge units. You know, they break those medical surgical units down in a lot of the larger hospitals. Um, but I am truly a medical surgical nurse. I, although I would say that the availabilities as far as job openings for travel nurses, I would say the, the majority or the higher demand, I guess, would probably be in your your specialty, your acute specialties like your NICUs and your ICUs um, and ER. Those do have seem to have a little bit more frequency in job postings. I see. So it's the specialties that are really more sought after by the agencies and the facilities who are looking for travel nurses. Right, but now that's don't don't take me wrong that's not to say that there's not plenty of availability for general medical surgical nurses as well because I've never lacked for having a job so, right okay. and I've been doing this for almost nine years okay well that that um that says a lot right there that nine years you've been you've been well paid and and you know always had some work as a travel nurse for that period of time that's great now if a nurse wants to go into travel nursing, say I did, for instance, and I looked at some magazines or I Googled travel nursing agencies, there are more travel nurse agencies out there than I could shake my microphone at. So how do you choose a travel nurse agency? How do you know what to look for? What are the benefits that certain ones offer? And how do you weed out the ones that maybe aren't so reputable? That's a very good question, and it's it's a very difficult question to answer, but I'll try and do the best I can with this. Okay. Um, travel nurse agencies, yes, there are thousands of them, it seems like, and to make sense out of any of them is nearly impossible. Um, if you go into a travel nursing career, you're probably going to choose at one point or another the wrong agency for you. Hmm. Because it's the wrong agency for you, doesn't mean that it would be the wrong agency for me. Choosing a travel agency and or a recruiter is very individual. Um, some people, you know, I, I actually have an article. Um, it's step seven of the treatment plan for hypertravelosis. I go through step by step <laughs> some recommend yeah some some recommendations on you know how to go about being a successful travel nurse. And researching travel nurse agencies is a huge part of that. But you really have to know, first of all, what do you expect? What are your wants and needs? Do you need somebody to hold your hand through the whole process? Or are you pretty independent and, and you know, don't need a lot of that extra guidance? Do you have to have um, insurance included? Some companies provide it. Some companies don't. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of 
differences in what you might need versus what I might need. And in order to even start, you need to know what you need. Well, and it also seems, Candy, that uh, when I was working at Hopkins, we we had a few travel nurses rotating through um, off and on, and it seemed as if uh, they were also great resources um, and advocates for their agency, whether that be, um, you know, yeah, definitely my agency is very supportive or no, I'm not really feeling this. I'm just going to finish out this contract and probably shop around again. But I know that uh, often the nurses on the unit were were interested, that were interested in traveling would certainly pick the brains of the nurses um, with those particular agencies. And so it sounds like some of them did get quite a bit of good advice because I think some of them are still traveling even today, many years later. Right, right. And I, I tend to be personally very cautious about recommending an agency to anyone, um, just simply because, you know, what's been a great agency for me just may not be a good fit for you. It's mm-hmm. no different than you may love working at John Hopkins, but I may go there and absolutely hate it. You know, it's very, maybe I prefer the smaller hospitals, the community rural hospitals, and I'm very uncomfortable in a large hospital. Same thing with your travel agency. If you look at it like, you know, your hospitals, some prefer small, some prefer large. It's kind of the same sort of thing. Hmm. So, now, that's not to say that, you know, if you've heard, you know, bad reviews about a particular agency from multiple people, you may want to stay away from that one. Right, right. Well, and and one piece too, I wanted to bring the just touch on the entrepreneur piece as far as um uh owning uh an agency. Do you are you aware of some of the agencies out there that are owned that are nurse owned agencies? There are multiple agencies out there that are nurse owned. I can't personally give you a list of them off the top of my head. I'd have to mm-hmm. actually do some research. But yes, there are a lot of travel nurses or nurses in general that have gone into um, agency business. So if you're looking for something with someone that, you know, that is nurse owned, they are definitely out there. Hmm. That's good to know. And I wanted to ask you, in terms of those agencies that may be nurse owned or maybe not, or would you say that there are any kind of bottom line um, um, characteristics that you would recommend nurses look for in an agency? Is there any, you know, like non-negotiable things that you should make sure an agency offers you as a travel nurse? Oh, wow. That's that's a good question. Uh, non-negotiable items. Mm-hmm. Again, that goes back to, you know, what are my particular wants and needs because you know, for some people, one of those non-negotiable items might be insurance, you know, the availability of insurance. There's a lot of agencies out there that don't provide medical insurance to their travelers. Um, for me, you know, I carry my own private insurance, so that's not, you know, a deal breaker for me, but for some it would be. Um, there are a couple of online resources that rate travel nurse agencies. Um, there's, again, they're, they're very, I won't say they're biased, but they're really one or a group of people's opinion. So whenever you get someone's opinion, that's exactly what you're getting is the opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, but there are a couple of resources out there. 
One of them, there is a travel nurse forum located at uh, Delphi, um, Delphi Forum. I can post the link onto Twitter a little later here. And then there's Highway Hypodermics. Uh, Highway Hypodermics. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a cute name. Highwayhypodermics.com. She puts together, I believe, an annual ratings list of agencies. Um, I don't know exactly what criterion she uses. Allnurses.com, I think, might also have some, some ratings on their website as well. Um, really, I guess the, the best advice that I could give would just be to do as much research as you can. And if you consistently see that one is, is rating low, it, you know, use caution in, in using that agency. Mm. Right. That's, that's good advice. That's good advice. Well, you know, and, and, and that's what was one of our, you know, talking about one of our uh, questions here uh, leading up to that is whether you yourself would, would do something like this. Would you venture out on your own to uh, start your own business, your travel nurse business? I, I honestly have, have no interest at all in, in owning a travel <laughs> nurse staffing company. <laughs> mm-hmm. None, mm-hmm. absolutely none. Um, mm-hmm. the, probably the most entrepreneurial that I'll become is the gypsy nurse. Yeah, I, I love the informative website, but as far as trying to run you know, a business with employees and managing all that, it's just not ever been my desire to do so. Right, well, you know, and it's right. It's good to know that, isn't it? It's good to know what you want and what you don't want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I yeah. agree with that. I mean, it's good that you are, um, you have come to that conclusion. Like, this is what you want to be, um, or this is who you want to be, and and uh, and and I applaud that. And not to discourage people out there. Of course, I'm not a travel nurse. I. Um, don't own an agency or a registry or anything like that. Um, I am self-employed, but I but I do understand that there's quite a bit of capital involved on the front end there. Well, always there's a lot of uh, money exchanged, but when you're first starting your agency, from what I understand, as a business owner myself, when you invoice a hospital or an organization uh, to be reimbursed for those services, it can take a little while to get paid. And so if you've got yeah. nurses that you're hiring, um, you need to pay their salaries. So, you know, I, I've heard advice that you want to at least have quite a few months of uh, salary benefits or, you know, whatever you're offering um, to your employees and, and your overhead saved up so that you can right. Absolutely. pay those Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, we just discussed that at the, um, at the recent travel nurse um, conference that was held in Las Vegas. Um, and, you know, some companies actually don't get paid by the hospitals for up to three months. Wow. So, yeah, it's a significant lag time there between, you know, the time that the agency has to pay the employees versus when the agency is actually getting getting paid for those services. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yes. Now, now, in terms of your own business, uh, Candy, you have. I just want to tell our listeners, you have a wonderful website. It's www.thegypsynurse.com, and it is a great website. And it is peppered with humor. It has a great deal of information. It also has some great ads and things that are specifically targeted towards 
um, travel nurses, of course, toolkits, comfortable shoes, watches, all sorts of things you would need as a travel nurse. Not to mention, um, what do I see here, bags and GPS devices, uh, luggage. Of course, you'd need luggage as a travel nurse. So we were wondering, and we had talked a little bit on the phone earlier, we'd asked if you'd ever considered, uh, quote-unquote, monetizing your gypsy nurse brand and actually offering, you know, coaching to travel nurses or, or support to travel nurses on a, on a monetized basis. Have you considered that? Um, to some degree, I'm already monetizing or beginning to monetize the gypsy nurse. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, I put a lot of time and a lot of effort into the gypsy nurse. And mm-hmm. if, you know, I can get a little bit back by, by doing some, some advertising of products or services that are useful to travel nurses and provide those resources right there on the site, then, then that's helpful for me and, and the readers to have that information available. Um, I've had a couple of people ask me if I'm planning to offer consultant services. Um, not even real sure how I would go about that. So I, it's maybe sometime down in the future, but um, not something that it's really on my radar right at this moment. Sure. Well, well just maybe, give us a call. Right. I was just going to say, Kevin and I would have um, a plethora of ideas for you if that's ever something you'd like to pursue. And Kevin's quite the quite the entrepreneurial, innovative nurse. So you yes. could definitely talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> so we hear we hear you on that. Um, so we won't press you on that point at the moment. Well, one thing I do want to press you about is I would like to ask you about the term hypertravelosis. When you came up with it, and we know it's your term, and if it's officially coined, and could you tell us a little bit about it, about the symptoms and the treatment for hypertravelosis? Sure. Um, hypertravelosis, actually, um, I was, was on a road trip, of all things, with uh, one of my best friends, and we were discussing, you know, this whole possibility of putting together the gypsynurse.com and, you know, trying to come up with kind of something that signified, you know, what travel nursing, kind of the root of what that is. I'm like, well, it's just too much travel, you know, too much, too much traveling and too much need to travel. And so we wanted to put kind of a medical spin on that and we came up with hypertravelosis. And I think when you when you look at the word and break down the word, you can obviously tell what it means. You know, it's the condition where a person travels excessively. Um, so one of the one of the things that I came up with for the website was just kind of to break that down, to break down, you know, what travelosis is and some of the symptoms or risk factors that might play into that. And um, you know, some of the risk factors, burnout, burnout's a big one. You know, people, I, I know that travel nursing for me was definitely helpful with that, that whole burnout that I was beginning to feel in nursing. You know, the same thing, the same management problems, the same hospital issues, you know, your problem patients coming in and out all the time, the same ones, you know, and you feel sometimes like like you can't kind of move on with that. And so taking, you know, the travel nursing and, 
and moving out of that, that stagnant kind of area that I felt like I was in really did help reduce that burnout. So, excuse me, I would say burnout is probably one of the biggest symptoms of hypertravelosis. Um, you're you know, dreaming of faraway places and, you know, like myself, I always knew that I wanted to be on the go. I'm always taking road trips. You know, desiring to check off the thousand places to see before I die, sort of thing. Mm, um, mm-hmm. Another another thing that I found with myself was the fact that I had frequent job changes. Um, not the the job was horrible. I wasn't getting fired from jobs. I was just feeling that stagnant and you know, not not really unhappiness, but just feeling like I was eh, blah in the job. So I'd go somewhere else and work for a while. Locally, you know, I'd maybe work a year here and a year there, and I was just dreaming of going somewhere else. So that would be, I think, one of the symptoms of somebody that, that was suffering from hypertravelosis. And for me, the treatment of hypertravelosis is simply travel. Get out and travel. Get out and go. And what better way to do it than to get paid for it? Mm-hmm. That's a great point. That's an excellent point. So you actually see hypertravelosis and travel nursing as a potential cure for the boredom and burnout and inertia or entropy some of us can experience when we're in a job day in and day out at the same facility for for months or years or decades on end. Absolutely. And you know, mm. there's a lot of people there's a lot of a lot of people that thrive on that um consistency and that stability. But then there's those like myself that just don't. You know, we uh-huh. need something different. We need we thrive on something new. And you've got two totally different sets of personalities and and wants out of life and neither one is right or wrong. It's just what's right for you mm. mm-hmm. I see I see okay did um, you have something there Kev well yeah there was a, a couple of things I, I had but first I, I'll um, start off with um, it seems like an opportunity for nurses to basically I don't know follow the seasons depending on what what season you most uh, uh, feel comfortable in um, but certainly I know I know nurses who who like to surf and so they, you know, take assignments where they can go surf. And then, of course, when the weather changes, they go to mountain areas, let's say Colorado, and then they snowboard or ski uh, in the right, wintertime. Right, right. So mm-hmm. you, you really can check a few things off that bucket list um, and, yes. and certainly see the world. And so, you know, I, I don't know if that's, if that's definitely a big piece uh, for nurses out there that they can follow the weather. For some, yes. For some, that's very important. Um, for me, not so much. I found that actually some of my some of my travels during the off seasons, which I thought I would hate, have ended up being um, some of the more pleasant contracts or enjoyable contracts. But but yeah, definitely. I I know nurses that just absolutely hate winter weather, and so they you know kind of a, follow the snowbirds and go south in the winter and and north in the summer so that they can follow those summer seasons. And like you said, the same with those that like to ski and snowboard. And they can go where 
where the skiing's the best in the winter time and and experience those places and follow those those activities that they really enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, no, no, no. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Keith. And then I'll. And no, then I'll, I'll Well, no. I, you, I, I go ahead. No, no. You finish what you were going to say because I was going to transition into another okay. question. Go yeah, ahead. I was just going to say that it just it sounds like the perfect job for or the perfect pursuit for a nurse who isn't, for instance, tied down by a mortgage or isn't tied down by young children or has a partner or spouse who likes to travel also and maybe is self-employed and doesn't need to be rooted in one place. And then I also bet there are travel nurses out there who take short travel stints and leave their husband, wife, spouse, or children at home for periods of time and then come home. But I'm assuming that most travel nurses are people who are less encumbered by those sorts of lifestyle choices than others. Is that true? Um, well, yes and no. Uh, for the majority, I would say yes. Um, okay. You do see a lot of, um, for instance, families that have young children will sometimes take summer contracts. Um, mm-hmm. That's an actually... Actually, that's initially where I was at. I initially um, had a teenage son when I started traveling, and we were only going to go to Boston for the summer. We were going to do a 13-week contract in Boston for the summer, and we both fell in love with it there, and we ended up staying for eight months. All right. So we, yeah, we put him in school and and stayed, you know, through the winter. But and that was uh, that's another example of being in Boston in the wintertime was certainly not what I expected to be looking forward to, but it turned out to be a wonderful experience. Um, but, yeah, you've, you've got a lot of um, families that have young children that also will do homeschooling. So that's, you know, a lot of, a lot of Americans actually homeschool more than, more than I would have thought personally, and they do a lot of travel nursing because they do have that freedom. And then hmm. you've got the group of um, maybe older nurses, a little bit older nurses that who have a spouse that's retired, that's a good majority of travel nurses there as well, whether it's the man or the wife, one's retired and one's still working, and it allows, travel nursing allows them to kind of start their, their travel retirements early by, by extending and working a little bit longer as a travel nurse. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm glad you asked that question, Keith, because part of that question was going to be um, part of my next question in regards to I did meet quite a few travel nurses that had families, and there was, let's say, a shortage um, of jobs locally uh, for them, and so they had to either go further away, whether it just be a, a a drive or some of them, you know, they were flying back home uh, every few weeks to see their families uh, because they had to go so far away for a job. And so uh, what I was going to ask you is, what are your thoughts, what, what's your input on the travel nursing industry um, as of late? And of course, even in the recent past with the economy, uh, is, has it been booming the whole time uh, during the recession and, and the dips financially? Um, how, how have you um, seen that, and then how, where do you see it going in the future um, okay. as far as a viable option for, for nurses to tap into from, from just a right. purely financial standpoint? 
Right. Um, yeah, the um, travel nursing industry actually took quite a hit with the rest of the economy. Um, when I first started travel nursing back in 2004, um, I was kind of um, just past the peak of travel nursing at that point. Um, you could pretty much choose where you wanted to go as a travel nurse and be almost nearly guaranteed that you'd be able to get a position wherever you chose you wanted to go. Um, working with a couple of agencies, obviously. But um, then in 2008, you know, the economy kind of took a dive and travel hospitals tightened up their budgets as well as everyone else in America. And we did see a significant decline in the amount of travel nurse positions that were available. A lot of travel nurses chose at that point to take staff positions. Um, so it wasn't those that remained in travel nursing didn't get hit quite as hard because there was a certain percentage that went full-time and were no longer traveling. So even though there was a decrease in positions, there was a decrease in the amount of nurses that were looking for those positions as well. Um, but you certainly, it, you know, from 2008 until here just recently, you couldn't any longer choose where you wanted to go and be guaranteed that they could get you there. Hmm. Does that make sense? Um, yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, it it is the industry is coming back. Um, it's certainly not at the peak that it was at back in the early two thousands, um, but it's it's certainly coming back. There was a recent healthcare staffing summit that was held in Las Vegas um, in early October, and um, they're predicting a twenty six percent growth in travel nursing jobs over the next five years. So, wow. you know, there's there's definitely some growth coming in the market and with baby boomers, you know, beginning to retire and um, the potential of, you know, the national health care changes and whatnot, I think that you're going to see a significant increase in that job market. Um, probably my prediction, I have, you know, no expertise in the matter, but my prediction would be is that it would in the next five years, probably bounce back to the early 2000 levels where travel nurses can pretty much choose where they want to go and when they want to go. I, I could agree with that, um, some candy, because I think hospitals are starting to open up sections of their facilities where before they were having to close them down. I mean, I know facilities that were actually shutting down like a third of their hospital, you know, the third of a section just because they didn't have enough surgeries coming in or that, right. you know, subspecialty area as far as the patients were concerned. But now they're starting to open them up again. And, of course, travel nurses are typically experienced nurses, and we need experienced nurses out there. Right. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's, that's affecting the industry right now is um, significant changeovers um, into computer charting. Um, a lot of the hospitals already have computer charting, obviously, but there's still those that don't. And we're seeing, you know, these transitions, the hospitals are upstaffing for computer transitions, whether it be to computer, just, you know, their initial computerization or whether it be to um, they're integrating a new computerized system into the hospital. So we're seeing, you know, some, some increase in travel nurse demand for those types of things as well. I, Pandy, um, apropos of that, I would think it would be very challenging for travel nurses coming into a new facility, 
facing a electronic medical record system that they've never faced before and having to learn how to use that system very quickly. Is that a big challenge for travel nurses to figure all that out and just get up and running? <laughs> yes, it can be. However, um, I will say that the more the more different computer systems that you work on, the easier it is to transition into those systems. Mm -hmm. um, most hospitals will give you some sort of computer training, whether it's one day or a week. It depends on the facility itself. Um, but generally, they'll give you some computer training. So if you're if you're comfortable with computer charting, if you've done computer charting, it really isn't that hard to transition over to another system. They all kind of operate under the same premise. You just have to go different places to find the information generally. Um, right, right. And, you know, and that does get easier the more systems that you've worked on. Myself, I've worked on multiple different systems, and I feel pretty comfortable. Now I'm still a little slow, but I'm pretty comfortable working on a new system with just one day of a brief kind of overview of, of where to find things in the system. Good. Okay. Well, and as as innovative nurse wants to chime in here, it's my advice to um, EMRs out there. Uh, the digital documentation, I'm I'm definitely a huge advocate for it. But we really do need to have more of a universal user interface or user experience. Um, and I think that there are systems out there that are trying to provide that continuity of care. Um, not only to our patients, but obviously the staff uh, members that are using these uh, systems, because uh -huh. I mean, right. Epic Epic always seems to be the one that uh, everyone is mimicking. I mean, they have the most money; they're in the most facilities, I believe, um, in the largest number of facilities, and they have quite a great um, user experience, from what I've heard, as opposed to yeah. a few other ones out there. And I realize everybody's, you know, wants to have a startup; they have a, their own business; they want to get in the space. But I really do think that there has to be um, some set of standards. That, that must be followed, not just for travel nurses, but just um, nurses, you know, and healthcare providers in general. So, because there are a lot of healthcare providers, like hospitalists, for instance, the the docs who travel right. from one hospital to the next, um, just getting up to speed on those systems takes away from our patient care. Um, mm -hmm. Yes, it does. Good point. Very good point, Kev. Yeah. Yeah. They actually, as far as travel nurses go in these, like these epic conversions, that's a big one here of recent. Um, since you mentioned Epic, um, is the hospitals, hospital systems that are going to, might have, you know, six different hospitals in their system that are going to change over. So they'll actually hire travel, a group of travel nurses that's already experienced with Epic, um, not as trainers, but just to come in and help relieve the staff for these transitions so that the staff has an opportunity to get their training and kind of kind of ease into and have a lower patient load or whatever while they're trying to learn the new system. So so we, you know, we're epic, epic you know, kind of relief staff of sorts in a lot of hospitals recently. Mm, mm -hmm. That's a good point. Now, um, we could talk about the technology part forever, and I'm sure Kevin would love to, right, Kevin? By all means, um, go ahead. That's no, right, but I, I do have a personnel-oriented question for you, Candy, which I'm sure you'll have an interesting answer to. A friend of mine here in Santa Fe recently had, had surgery, 
And she was in the hospital for, I don't know, maybe five days or so for a hip replacement. Now, she told me that the local nurses who were caring for her, who live here in the Santa Fe area, all seemed kind of tired, all seemed kind of burned out, and she got decent care. But you might be happy to hear, uh, as a travel nurse extraordinaire that you are, that she said that travel nurses were the most wonderful nurses who worked with her. She said they seemed the most enthusiastic, they seemed the most interested, and she felt that they gave her the most personalized professional care of all the nurses in the hospital. So what would you have to say about that? Wow, I would say thank you. That is a (laughs) huge compliment to the travel nursing industry, in all honesty. Um, uh, I I could probably relate that back to a couple of different factors. First of all, being we discussed, you know, those symptoms of hypertravelosis, and one of the biggest ones is burnout. Um, We see a lot of, a huge amount of burnout in staff nurses, and I think that that is significantly reduced in your travel nurse industry because those nurses are moving, they're changing, you know. Plus, the the other part of that equation would probably be the hospital politics. When you work full-time in in a particular facility, you get involved in the politics and the rumor mill and whatever's going on in that particular facility because you're directly affected and you're directly involved in it. Um, For instance, you know, the extra time that you have to spend going to um, mandatory meetings off-shift, so that adds to your to your work hours or, you know, policy changes that a lot of staff nurses prefer, you know, things to be like they are. Change is, is a difficult thing for those that like that stability. Travel nurses are, I think, a little more adaptable with those types of changes. That's what we live for is that, you know, adaptability and, and changes in systems and processes and stuff. So we think that it's kind of twofold, and um, it's unfortunate that we have the amount of burnout that we do in nursing, but uh, hospitals tend not to recognize that in their nurses and and address it, which, you know, is maybe something for a whole other conversation another time. Well, thank you for that. That's that's helpful to hear, and I had a feeling that would be along the lines of what you'd say. And my friend just felt that the travel nurses just seemed so. She used the word like fresh. She felt like they were fresh, and they were they were there, and and just sort of bright eyed and bushy tailed. And that was uh, the know, sense she got. Sorry, another part of that that, that I just happened to think of is time off. As mm-hmm. a travel nurse, I can take time off. Mm-hmm. You can't, you know, you're limited on how much time off you can take when you're a staff nurse. You know, you may get two weeks a year, you may get four weeks a year, depending on how long you've been at a hospital. As mm-hmm. a travel nurse, if I want to take a month off in between my contracts, I can. I have full authority over when I work. Now, I don't get paid for my time off, so mm-hmm. obviously it's it's a financial thing that you have to plan for, but... But if I wanted the time off or feel like I need the time off, I can definitely take as much as I need or want. Wow. Well, you know, Katie, that would, 
That would actually <laughs> yeah. be one of your um, consulting opportunities to help travel nurses is to budget for those vacations that they want to take that they're not getting paid for. So just, you know, just a little tidbit of info. I just see that as an opportunity. Just just, just one little it. piece you can offer them for sure right. on how to right. budget for that. Um, hey, and also the, the best vacation spots for travel nurses, where to go. Yeah. Yes. Well, and you know, Candy, it, it, it is funny with the the um, sort of the bright eyed, bushy tail, the the freshness, you know, as, as Keith is talking about of, you know, travel nurses on the unit. See, for me, even though I I own a couple of businesses, I mean, I'm not I'm not really climbing the ladder because I am at the top of the ladder technically. But when I work with other organizations, they hire me directly or my company directly for services. I'm not really mixed up in the politics of the organization. I'm not looking right. to be director of anything, really. And quite right. frankly, you know, you know, I, whether I, you know, I love being my businesses, but I don't really introduce myself as president CEO. It's just I, I'm a nurse consultant. I'm a consultant, and that's you know, people hire me for my expertise. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't need to get caught up in that wash of. You know who's bucking for the promotion or trying to make you know this uh, raise or whatever it is. So yeah, and it really does relieve a lot of stress when you don't have to worry about all that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm leaving. I'm only here. I'm here to fill a need. I, I'm at the hospital to take care of patients for a designated amount of time. And if there's issues and problems at the hospital, I don't. I'm not involved in fixing that or worrying about that because I'm there for a reason, a temporary relief or or what, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, and one piece of advice, too, that I would give our listeners and, of course, uh, your audience as well, Candy, is that even though, you know, for me, some of the contracts I have are very long-term and, and some of them are short-term, and I'm there to do the very best that I can do, no matter what. I mean, it, whether it's a, a contract that's going to be long-term or short-term, I'm going to give you my all. I mean, I'm a brand. Right. I represent not only my own company, but I'm a, rep- a representative of your organization as well. And so I'm going to give it my all. And um, Because, it, again, you don't know when those bridges, you're going to be crossing those again. And like I said, you might not ever right. go to that facility, but, hey, you could run into a nurse that you met or uh, someone at another facility, even if it's across the country, they moved and they remember you from when you were traveling in their hospital on the East Coast, and now you're on the West Coast, and they moved to the West Coast. I mean, it's just funny how we run into those people again. Um, yes. So it is a small world when it comes to comes to the healthcare field. In all honesty, I mm-hmm. can't even begin to tell you how many nurses I've ran into in different places that I had worked with in a completely different part of the country. So. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially like a hiring manager as well, who could have been at a hospital that you, again, left, left a lasting, per, uh, you know, uh, sort of impression. Hopefully the impression was a positive one because they could have been <laughs> a hiring manager um, or someone, you know, an HR or whoever that is that you get you get an assignment. So um, just like I said, my piece of advice out there, just be mindful yeah. of that. That's right. Absolutely. Be at your best. And speaking of being at your best, Candy, I have a question, too, that's been burning in the back of my mind. Um, Speaking of those travel nurses who go into facilities where there's nurses, you know, who are on staff and have worked at a facility for for a period of time, 
How are travel nurses generally treated by the staff at the facilities where they where they land for an assignment? And I know that's a big question, and there's a lot of different answers. But what would you say? What's it like? Um, I would say that it generally falls into one of two categories, in all honesty. Either the staff is thrilled to have you there and excited to, to finally have a little bit of extra help and relief, or they're bitter and unaccepting of you being there and a little resentful of um, the the freedom, the pay, the whatever, that whatever they think travel nurses have that they don't have. Um, I've experienced both. I've been in some facilities where I was immediately made to feel part of the family, for lack of better words, um, and, you know, really made to be a part of that team. And then I've been in other places where I somewhat felt an outcast, you know, and was given the worst assignments and, and whatnot. And those haven't, weren't obviously my favorite contracts to work, but, um, see, so it generally will fall into one of those two categories. I don't see a lot kind of in the middle there. It's either very accepting or very unaccepting. And I don't know, I don't really know the basis, you know, what causes that if it's, I don't really notice any differences regionally. So it's not like, you know, well, the West Coast is very accepting and the East Coast isn't. It's not mm-hmm. anything like that. But, um, but yeah, the, I do have to say, though, that although I have had some bad contracts and some unaccepting staff, I've been fortunate that most of my contracts have been good contracts um, where the staff has been welcoming and helpful and will answer questions. Um, and that's probably an, the one. No, no, I was going to say that's encouraging. Well, no, no, I was going to say that's encouraging to hear, uh, Candy. And I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I did have a question, but feel free to um, mm-hmm. finish your statement and then I'll. Well, I was just going to say that the ones, the ones that have been less accepting of of me as a travel nurse, I've noticed have probably been the more stressful locations or hospitals that I've been in, um, with higher levels of. Um, acuity or higher levels or lower levels of staffing, you know, so those nurses are probably experiencing a little more um, burnout or a little more stress on the job themselves. So I don't know that it's a personal thing that that I'm experiencing in those positions or if it's just situational. Mm. Well, so, Candy, what, what are you doing um, either for yourself or recommending for travel nurses out there as far as if there is a conflict, if there is an issue, is it something that they go directly to a nurse manager on the unit or is there some, depending on the agency I suppose, is there a liaison sort of built in or baked into that agency that you can go to sort of like, you know, your coach to help you with that process of, uh, you know, conflict resolution? Right. That's a good question. Conflict re- resolution as a travel nurse can be um, really, you have to be, step carefully there. Um, hospital can fire you from your contract at any point in time for no reason at all. Um, and if you're making waves, if you're having conflicts, um, it's not unlikely that they would cancel your contract to avoid those conflicts. So you have to step very lightly when, when there are problems. Um, and I guess you've heard the term pick your fights carefully, right? Mm-hmm. 
Of course. Um, so, yeah, um, like you said, a lot of a lot of agencies do have a nurse liaison. Um, some of the smaller companies do not. If there are problems, I always make my recruiter aware that there are issues. Depending on the level of issue, most things, in all honesty, I can blow off and say, you know what, I know that you know this isn't the optimal situation. However, I can get through this for 13 weeks. Well, yeah. and it seems, yeah, and it seems like there there might be some situations where a nurse is very astute clinically, um, a very good nurse. Uh, but sometimes it's just a culture fit. Uh, it just doesn't yes. fit well. But other than that, their skills are stellar. Um, yes. You know, which again, it's just unfortunate that it's just a cultural cultural issue. But it could be a miserable thirteen weeks. You know, if you continued on. Yes, and you know there there is you know the remote possibilities too. You know, to go through your company and say, you know, I just this is not a good fit. I can't I can't do this. I can't you know complete this. And recruiters will do their best to work with you. From the recruiter standpoint or the company standpoint, they want to provide a nurse to the hospital that is a good fit. Uh-huh. You know, it, it reflects on their reputation as well as the nurse's reputation, and, you know, if there's conflicts or problems there. So they want it to be a good fit for the hospital and for the nurse, um, for their own reputation as well. So they're generally willing to help you work through any problems or, you know, if they're not able to be solved, to help and assist you in getting out of that contract and into a new one. Mm. That's good to hear. That that's, sounds like very sound business practice on the part of the agencies that are sending the nurses out in the first place. Yeah, now, I will. They... I will before, before we get off of that subject, too, I will sure. um, kind of put a caveat in there that, that is one of the reasons that it's really important to build a relationship with your travel nurse recruiter. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing knowing that your recruiter knows you and respects you as a nurse and has and has your back um, helps a lot in situations like that. You know, say if you've proven that you're you are a good nurse and you know they know your reputation, it's a little easier for them to stand behind you when there are issues like that. Mm. So that relationship building is an important step in the process. That's really great advice. That's really very important for nurses to take in. And that's true, I think, for nurses anywhere. I, I know it's important for the travel nurse because you need to have that anchor back at the agency who you can turn to. But even if you work in a facility, it's good to really manage those relationships carefully and always have a a supporter or an advocate or someone you can really turn to when the going gets tough. So that's good advice for everyone across the board, I think. Right. Now, I, I wanted to touch on a, one of the talking points that you mentioned to us um, Prior to coming on the show, you sent us some information about yourself and biographical information. And one of your missions of the gypsy nurse seems to be, according to what you wrote, that you want to build a supportive community of travel nurses. And that seems to be what you're really actively doing with the gypsy nurse and with these relationships you're building over time with other travel nurses. And you made a statement that 
there's a lot of camaraderie in the travel nursing community. And do you see that camaraderie not reflected in the wider nursing community in your being? Because you're exposed to so many facilities and so many places and groups of nurses. How do you feel about that? What's really happening in the industry as opposed to within travel nursing? Right. Well, I can only go off of my own personal experiences. So um, what I say is truly my opinion and my opinion only. Um, But I feel personally that nursing in general overall really lacks any camaraderie. Um, We tend, I mean, I'm sure anyone that's a nurse or in the medical field has heard the term that we eat our young. Mm -hmm. It's true in most in most cases we're we're very unforgiving to um our coworkers when it comes to any faults whatsoever instead of <clears throat> excuse me instead of helping you know a coworker improve or helping them get through um a particularly bad or difficult shift or situation we a lot of times it seems tend to throw each other under the bus to make, for whatever reason, whether it's to make ourselves look better or, you know, to gain, um, you know, a heads up for that next promotion that's coming due or, or whatever. And I, you know, among the travel nurses, I find that if I am, if I'm in a facility that has other travel nurses, which commonly happens, not always, but it's, common if they're using one travel nurse, they're using multiple travel nurses. And I find that the the people that, that are more willing to help if I'm having a difficult shift or need a second opinion or need a hand with something, um, the travel nurses that are on shift with me tend to be more likely to step up and help me with that. Hmm. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. Sure. Um, and I really think that building a sense of camaraderie or community within nursing is important. Uh, we, we could be so much stronger as an industry, be it educationally or uh, politically or, you know, whatever. We could be so much stronger in this, a nursing community if we would just work together. Mm-hmm. Can we quote you on that? Sure. Well, I think, you know, Keith and, and Candy, if you listen to a lot of our shows, is that we, we always often talk about this. It doesn't matter what subspecialty you're in, uh, travel nursing or an entrepreneur, uh, whatever floor you're working on or organization. We, we often talk about camaraderie and just supporting each other as nurses. I mean, this just seems to be sort of a common uh, statement among nurses. So right. Really, and I think, too. It's unfortunate. Oh, sorry. I think, too, that social networking is improving that to some degree. You see uh, groups of nurses um, kind of gathering together via Facebook, via Twitter chats or whatever, and sharing knowledge and sharing experiences and and that sort of thing. And I think that that's, that's a step in the right direction. Hmm. Wow, that's a great point, Candy. I'm glad you brought that up because this, you know, this, uh, radio show was born of Kevin and Anna, our original other co-host, and I all meeting on Twitter. So it's it's true that that there's so much being born out of social media. So I really appreciate you saying that because we're finding that that's true in our own experience as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it 
I think it's an easy connection for us too, as we've talked about with social media. Uh, I, I think that it takes less emotional energy that we're already drained anyway, but to sort of put ourselves out there and connect. But then we, I, I don't want to say that that continues because obviously, as Keith had stated, we took that uh, initial meeting on Twitter and social media and really turned this. Um, our radio show was born and a company was born out of that. So there was a lot of energy that was then, um, you know, subsequently then, of course, <laughs> lots of sweat equity, uh, so to speak, uh, you know, uh, blood, sweat, and tears on that one to do that. But the initial approach right. was, was very easy for us to make that uh, investment. Right. So, right. So, Candy, we need to go here in a minute or so, but um, we have mentioned your website, www.thegypsynurse.com and of course you are on Twitter. We found you. You are at uh, The Gypsy Nurse on Twitter, right? Yes. yes. And we also saw that on Facebook you are can tell us how to find you on Facebook. <laughs> it's Gypsy Nurse with two E's. Gypsy N-U-R-S-E-E. Unfortunately, somebody else out there is a Gypsy Nurse and and is on Facebook with Gypsy Nurse, so <laughs> Darn. <laughs> okay. But they're not but they're not on R and F M radio with us. You are. So they're not. And I welcome all gypsy. gypsy nurses, so <laughs> That's right. That's right. So you are on Twitter, you're on Link you're on um your website, thegypsynurse.com. dot com. You're also on Facebook. Are you on LinkedIn as well? I am and you can find me at um Gypsy Nurse R N. Great. So you're also on LinkedIn. We'll have to connect there if we're not connected already. It's hard for me to keep track, actually. So right. we also want to let you know that, you know, we have our own blog at rnfmradio.com, and if you ever wanted to write a post about what you're up to or something that's happening in the industry, you can write a, some fresh content for us, and we'll put it on our blog. Or if you have a new post that you're just really excited about, just send us a link and we might just write up a short something and um, put it up on our blog as well because we really want to support you because we think that Gypsy Nurse is an incredible service and we'd like to really be behind you on this. Well, thank you. You're welcome. I definitely appreciate that and and hopefully um, anyone out there that has questions about travel nursing or is looking to pursue the career will connect up and and ask questions. I'm, I'm ready to answer them. I just need the questions. Great, great. Well, Candy, thank you so much for being here with us. We know it's getting late there on the East Coast, and we appreciate you taking the time, and we hope to be in touch and maybe have you on again someday. Sounds great. It was fabulous talking to both of you tonight. Okay, thanks. You as well, Candy. Take care. Okay, good All night. All right. Good night. Bye. Bye. Well, Kev, I think right. I'm ready to hit. The, I think I'm ready to hit the road. <laughs> I know. I I I really. Um, it, it's funny, uh, you know, meeting all of those uh, travel nurses, you know, back at Hopkins and the various facilities that I've I've worked at. It, you know, I I was a little a little je- jealous of that. You know, here they are for you know a few weeks and uh, then off to the next. And it's so funny too because I'm I'm still friends with uh, a couple of nurses. Um, uh, from Hopkins on Facebook, and then noticed that a couple of them had gone to Hawaii, and of course they're still there. 
So I'm a little jealous of that opportunity. Um, Yeah, I can understand that. And, you know, when Mary and I were traveling around the country a few years ago, we sold our house in Massachusetts and we hit the road. And um, I looked into travel nursing, but I'll admit that not having extensive hospital experience myself, I've been mostly an outpatient nurse most of my career, my opportunities in travel nursing were very, very limited. Mm-hmm. And that that's one of the only limitations I've actually ever found in my nursing career in terms of how I've chosen to to navigate my career and pretty much avoid the hospital because I've chosen to. But in terms of travel nursing, that was definitely, you know, something that prevented me from pursuing it further. Right. Well, you know, one thing we didn't talk to Candy about um, it was that what about uh, support, and maybe she has this on the gypsynurse.com, where you have a couple that are both nurses, uh, whether husband, wife, or a partner, um, you know, y- y- your partner uh, out there, or, or even a really good friend, and you do this together. Uh, you, you, you buddy up and you, you hit right. the road together and trying to find the facilities that will take you both. And I've I've known a few um, uh, couples out there that have, you know, one was an ICU nurse and then another one did oncology or, you know, whatever subspecialty that they, that they were, were skilled in. And so they had pretty similar schedules and stayed at the hospital pretty much roughly same contract, 13 weeks, and they moved on to the next. And they were able to help coordinate that. Their their mentor or their coach or their uh, coordinator through their agencies were able to help them find the placements that they could both go at the same time, both go to wow. at the same time. Which, wow. again, I could, that's, a, that's another level. That's another challenge uh, for sure, I think. That's, yeah, that's very cool. Wow. And, you know, she also mentioned how some travel nurses travel with their kids and homeschool their kids. And, you mm-hmm. know, maybe some have spouses who uh, are self-employed or coaches or whatever and can work from wherever they are as long as they have an Internet connection and a telephone. So mm-hmm. there are a lot of possibilities out there. And I believe, Candy, I believe what she said about how that this is going to be a part of the, the nursing profession and industry that bounces back in the next number of years because I believe nursing is going to bounce back in general as the economy comes, you know, kind of comes around again. And speaking of the economy, tomorrow is election day, Kevin. We haven't mentioned that yet tonight. And I want to encourage everyone, if you're listening live, if you're listening archives, you can't go vote because the polls are closed. But if you happen to be listening tonight or you listen to this archive show later this evening, please get out and vote tomorrow on election day. The economy is at is, you know, in the hands of whoever happens to be president the next four years. So we appreciate you getting out and voting. Right, Kevin? Yes. Well I would agree with that, Keith. Um, because no matter you know what affiliation you have, you know, who you know what party you align yourself with, you, you still need to vote. I, I know that there are a lot of people up on a soapbox talking about uh, the candidates out there, you know, one way or another. Um, but, uh, you know, put your money where your mouth is. Go out, stand in line. Uh, hopefully you've already registered. Um, I, I assume you would if you're standing I in line hope. to vote. But right. um, get out there and this is our right. This is, you know, this is America, this is the United States. Uh, people have uh, fought and died for this opportunity for us to 
be able to vote. And so right. de- definitely exercise that right. That's right. And I've heard today on the BBC and that there's going to be UN observers, there's going to be common cause observers, there's going to be lawyers out all over the country to make sure there's no voter suppression. So we're hoping this is going to be uh, as the least corrupt election we can possibly have and that we have everyone, not everyone's going to get the outcome they want, but someone's going to get the outcome they want. Mm-hmm. But we, we thank you for voting and, and we'll you know, we'll talk about it over the next coming months. We'll talk about what changes are coming based on what happens with the election and the economy in the months yeah. to come. Well, and, and also, get- too, well, I was going to say, and also, too, all the employers yeah. out there, I mean, certainly I am one of them. Please, if there's a way to be as flexible as possible um, with your staff out there so that they do have the opportunity to vote. Um, because, yeah, again, it, it's point. it's not only important to them as individuals, but you and, of course, myself as a business owner. So please advocate and support their um, willingness and their ability uh, to get out there and to vote. That's right. And um, here in New Mexico, we have early voting. And my wife and I went down to the county clerk's office last week, and it was a very festive atmosphere. There were about 40, 50 people there waiting to vote. It was really well run, very organized, and early voting has been really popular here in New Mexico. So I'm hoping that's the case around the country as well. Mm -hmm. And looking at the time, I'm seeing it's about quarter past the hour. I wanted to mention what's coming up the next few weeks. Can I do that, Kev? Please, by all means, sir. All right. So... Next week on November 12th, we are going to have Dr. Victoria Rich. She is a nurse director at the University of Pennsylvania Hospital in Philadelphia. And that's one of my hometowns. I lived there as a young man for a number of years in another incarnation of my life. And I'm very excited to talk with her about the Nurse Rejuvenation Center at the hospital and her incredible history as a nurse. Uh, She's done everything, and we look forward to having Dr. Rich on the show. On November 19th, we're having our first, our very first nursing roundtable, and the 19th will be a nursing student roundtable. We'll have three nurses from different parts of the country. They're all slightly different ages, and they'll be talking about their experiences as Nursing students. And Kevin, you put up a post on rnfmradio.com about that, didn't you? Just a little, uh, a few a few sentences, a couple of paragraphs. Because okay. really what I want to do is engage the audience. I mean, it was just a little bit of a, a jolt. Um, I didn't want to go into too much detail, uh, certainly about my experience uh, as, a, as a nursing student, but also as a preceptor and one that uh, does provide training to nursing students and new nurses out there, but mostly the nursing students. I really want to create some engagement out there, folks. So if you're listening in, and uh, I would say you definitely want to get in on this one, certainly. I want questions and comments from both sides because, and this is a round table, there are no sides of the table per se, um, but I do want to hear from the nurses. We want to hear from the uh, licensed professionals out there and also those nursing students out there that are going through that uh, education and training right now. We want questions and comments both on our Facebook page, on RNFM Radio. Certainly hit me up at Innovative Nurse if you'd like on that Facebook page, the comments on rnfmradio.com. Anywhere you can post it on Twitter, we will bring those questions and comments on the air. That's right, and and our uh, nursing student guests are also going to be talking this up with their uh, classmates, their colleagues, their the nurses that they work with in clinical, and their professors. So we're hoping to have a real 
a real community discussion about the state of nursing education, what nursing students face as challenges, what does the profession look like to them from inside the nursing education world? You know, are they, are they scared? Are they hopeful? Are they optimistic? Are they cynical? So we'd really like to hear from people about what's this experience like and how are we welcoming these nursing students into the fold? And I think that's a very important topic. So we're very excited about this nursing roundtable. And finally, on November 26th, to round out the month, right after Thanksgiving, we will have Judith Redwing Kisar. She's a nurse author and a palliative care expert. So we'll be really focusing on death, dying, palliative care, and hospice, and Judith Redwing Kisar's book. So we'll be talking about that. We'll be posting an article from Judith probably next week or the week after on rnfmradio.com. So, of course, you can find us here at blogtalkradio.com slash rnfmradio. We are on Twitter at rnfmradio. We're also on Facebook at rnfmradio. And, Kevin, you're at innovativenurse.com and also Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. That is correct, sir. That's, That's where you can right. And I'm at nursekeep.com, uh, at nursekeep.com, also on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. So please come find us, talk to us, ask us questions, tell us what you hate, tell us what you like, and we would love to get any feedback that you would care to share with us. So this is Keith Carlson, also known as Nurse Keith, signing off from Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I'll let Kevin, innovative nurse, have the final word here for the evening. Of course. Thank you, Keith. And as always, uh, Keith and I really appreciate everyone listening in, whether it's live on Monday nights or archived on the various platforms out there, listening to our interviews with nurse authors, bloggers, speakers, entrepreneurs, leaders, and thought provokers in the industry. As always, we really appreciate it. Thanks for listening in on RNFM Radio, and we'll hit you up again on Monday night. Good night.